You're listening to Welcome to Eloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. I'm your host, Kylie Peters. This is a space where we talk about scaling a service-based small business. For those of you who have been following along, I largely play in the service-based small business space as well. And definitely, and scaling is definitely a challenge. I've found one of the greatest ways to scale is to productize your services and then work on automating operations behind them. But oftentimes that's a lot easier said than done. And today's guests are pros. So today we have Abigail Pumphrey and Emily Williams, the ladies behind Boss Project. They started their business helping creative small business owners and have now branched out to include a variety of other small businesses as well with a booming social following and also hosts of the Strategy Hour podcast. These ladies know a thing or two about what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, welcome to Eloma, ladies. Hi. So much for having us. Thank you for being here. Um, All right. So I mentioned it briefly, but tell me a little bit about how you guys got started and, and some of this evolution from where you started to where you are now. Yeah. So we've done a variety of things over the last eight years, as I imagine most online small business owners have. You kind of have to continue to evolve to stay relevant in the online space. And so when we started our business eight years ago, we were in two different states. Um, I had opened a branding and marketing boutique. Emily was running a successful photography business out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. We met online in a Facebook group and became fast friends. Um, (laughs) That fast friendship turned into collaborations, which ultimately turned into selling courses and ultimately services together. And since then, we've worked together with over 10,000 small business owners from across the globe, helping them grow profitable and sustainable businesses online. And that that's shown up in a variety of ways. Sometimes we are um, giving away free resources like on our blog and our podcast. Other times we are working alongside of our clients in a group coaching environment where we are working with you. And other times we are taking things completely off of our client's plate. Sometimes that's building a site, a brand new website that's really focused on helping them book more discovery calls. Other times we're advising more on the financial side of their business and everything in between. Um, It's been an evolution though over the last eight years. (laughs) And now it's not just the two of us. We have a team of seven um, employees scattered across the United States and that has been wild and fun. And our roles have definitely evolved over the last seven or so years, but still luckily loving what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I have to ask, as you guys talk about where you've been and and where you are now, and especially with the team and et cetera, what is the greatest thing you have learned about scaling your business? Uh, For me, it's been the, and, and it's something that I don't feel like I've mastered, so to speak. It's not something that I feel like you learn once and then you're just like great at it forever and ever and always, <laughs> but it's a recurring lesson that I, I kind of sometimes have to force myself to go back to, because I do, I do know, cause I've, it's been proven time and time again, that it is worth it for me. It is every time, every time I prioritize holding my boundaries, protecting my creative space, 
honoring how I want to show up for work and be a leader and work with my team, every time I prioritize space there and openness and creativeness, we win every single time, whether it be because we come up with an incredible idea that moves our company forward, whether it be our team gets to have this space and the grace within their schedule. So they're not burnt out. And so they're happy, which makes me happy whether it just means I get to spend more time on hobbies or my family or hanging out with my kid and just, I get re-energized in a different way. There's always a good result on the other side of prioritizing that. And sometimes it's hard when you're in the grind and you're trying to scale and you've convinced yourself that the more you work, the faster that will come to fruition. And that lesson proves time and time again, that that is not true for me and for us. I'm going to yes and that one, but <laughs> Abigail, did you have anything you wanted to add? Uh, not on this one. I'm sure I'll have plenty to say on other specific okay. questions. Well, I love Emily. Thank you for bringing that up because um, space is a big thing for me too. That's something I have come to realize as I worked with my coach for the last couple of years is it always comes back to space. So, yeah. and I don't think I've heard anyone else vocalize it like you just did. So uh, I just think that's really interesting. This concept of holding the boundaries and holding the space for space. Oh, it's so a now for hard. It's hard. And like Very hard. Abby and I approach that that technique differently, but we have to come back together. And especially as co-founders and co-CEOs, like most people listening don't have two CEOs in their business yeah. and probably not a partner and not a founder. So it is definitely unique for us, but we also have to make sure that we're communicating really, really well with each other to make sure that we're on the same space and on the same page and how does she need space and how do I need space? And then because yeah. of these needs, how are we then able to show up within our company for our clients, for our team, for our families and everything in between. And that has been a, it, it's been truly great having that support system built in over the last seven or eight years um, to have someone kind of constantly reminding you to, to take those times when you need them. I love that. And I'm, I'm making a note to myself right now. <laughs> I'm like the different ways that people need space yeah, and to make sure that everybody feels supported in defining that for themselves and then honored in, in holding. Yeah. And it's, it's different for everyone and it changes based on the season you're in and that space isn't always, sometimes it's like less things on your to-do list. Other times it's more time mm -hmm. in your calendar. Other times it's more freedom and flexibility in your schedule. And like, it just depends. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you guys have both come from creative backgrounds. Yep. What prompted you to focus on the service-based small business space? Space. <laughs> well, one of the biggest reasons is with our primary focus on helping people build profitable and sustainable businesses online, we found that a service-based model is one of the most profitable businesses you can start from day one. Yep. A lot of other industries and models require a lot of upfront cost and capital that the majority of our audience doesn't have access to. And mm -hmm. so we wanted to help educate people on the fastest way to building a sustainable income for themselves and starting with a service-based business will be my recommendation every single time. Every single time. Yep. I'm not going to fight you on that one at all. <laughs> I a thousand percent agree. That, I mean, that's my background too. And I, I feel the same way. It's like my heart goes out to all those who have inventory and like yeah. legit overhead. I'm like, I have no idea how you turn a profit, but 
kudos to you for making I mean, it you happen. can, you can, <laughs> it's just a lot more complicated business to start. This is a pretty yeah. straightforward model to have people yeah. follow and it's exciting. Well, and even getting service-based business owners on track to continuing to offer a service instead of pivoting into the one-to-many model, which, I mean, we have a hybrid business. And so I'm not saying that it's not possible mm-hmm. and that, you know, if you don't have that itch to scratch it, but I think that the filter, the question that a lot of service-based business owners don't ask themselves or really, really, really dig in and reflect is, do I even want to be running the type of marketing, the type of service, the type of showing up that's required if I pivot to a one-to-many model? We happen to love it. Like We happen to be really good at it and Mm -hmm. showing up and speaking to a room full of hundreds of people or making sure we're nurturing our email list or trying different marketing tactics but it requires a different level of skill for us and for our yeah. team. And it is more expensive to run those kind of businesses. And so I, I have walked through the journey with so many, you know, small business owners who are working one-to-one in a done for you method of showing up for their clients. And they want to try to offer, you know, a passive income or, or easy money while they're not having to try. And they don't fully realize that to actual time and energy that's required for those areas to be successful. And that ultimately you are opening and running an entirely different business with an entirely different audience and price point and skill set and everything. And so those things can be okay yeah. as long as you know what you're getting into. For sure. No. And, and I think you lead right into my next question. Like what are some of the challenges you've seen service-based small business owners struggle with? And I'm, I'm assuming that's maybe the number one. (laughs) Well, I think the, the number one actually is, um, that they're charging appropriately. I think most businesses start out willy-nilly picking their price point a lot of it is what are they comfortable I know I did. With? <laughs> what are they comfortable I? with uh what have they seen the competitors do what are they seeing in their region uh typically like pretty hyper local what do they um, think people will spend <laughs> yeah um what would they spend if they were to buy the same service and I just want to like throw something when I hear all of those things and not because I don't understand. I do. Like I've been there, done that, absolutely walked that path before. And if the goal is for this to be your full-time income, plus potentially the opportunity for you to scale and eventually move away from delivering the service yourself, it requires you to have a in-depth knowledge of what is needed to sustain your life and lifestyle and grow the kind of business that you want to grow. And so your pricing is incredibly intertwined with the actual time involved with delivering on that service and how much you need to be making. And so we have a proprietary calculator we've developed to really help people understand what it's going to take. And it is so eye-opening for people. The, The thing that I think is probably the most surprising when we talk about it is when people walk away, they, um, they will find that in the past they would struggle with a pricing increase because it made them question themselves and, and bring up, insecurities. But Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, when they have this deep knowledge that that is just what it needs to be, and this is now the minimum requirement, the confidence level that comes with that is really life-altering. 
And I've seen people skyrocket. Like Bonnie's a great example of just renegotiating with her current set of clients. She booked an additional 60K in revenue in under six weeks without a single new lead or new client. And it was all about being priced appropriately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love I that. Yeah. Like service-based business owners don't think of how many consequences come from what you're priced at and consequences being good and bad. Like, again, that, that word is neutral. There are just, there are effects to the decisions that we make. And I know so many business owners who start with, you know, a price that they feel comfortable out. So it's typically on the lower end and they're mm-hmm. over delivering. And so right away, you're already over capacity. You're not just at capacity, you're over capacity, but you don't understand that. And you don't understand how your price point is directly correlated to how much time you have in order to work with a certain amount of clients over the months and quarters and years in order to reach your goal. Like they haven't worked backwards on the math yet. Even though it's like sitting right in front of them, we'll sit there and quite literally be like, okay, well, you told us this is your financial goal. This is how much money you want your business to make this year. And then how much you want to personally bring home in order to do that, in order to have the profit to do that. Here's how many clients you would need to work with if you don't change anything. And they're like, well, that's completely unrealistic. And I'm like, I know. And you're just going on about your business and life. Like, that number is going to just change if you don't Mm -hmm. change the price. And so we like to have those kind of burst that bubble a little bit conversations and then help you create the game plan. That's going to be able to create something a little more sustainable. Yeah. A hundred percent. I absolutely agree with that. Pricing is, I think there's also a lot of, um, especially when you first get started, a lot of feelings and emotions that get tied into, uh, into the pricing. But Abigail, as you had mentioned, like once you run the numbers and you just see like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to go into debt if I keep doing it this way, like that that makes it like a lot easier to swallow. Yeah. The amount of service providers I see who are essentially working for free because just because you're making money doesn't mean you're not working for free. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have heard time and time again, women small business owners want to work with other women small business owners, but they don't know where to find them or they don't know how to find the right ones. So we're fixing that. The 100 Collective is a public-facing national directory of and membership for women-owned small businesses looking to find, hire, and network with women such as yourself. We call it the 100 Collective because all members are asked to pay it forward by supporting 100 other women by using their unique strengths and skill sets to empower each other to live financially free and fulfilling lives. Join us at the100co.com. Um, okay, so we're talking about pricing being one of the challenges and the solution to that is know your numbers, right? Do sure. the math back into yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. Any other greatest challenges that you've you've seen service-based small businesses run into when it comes to scaling? Yeah, I think ultimately the, the the pricing is the start of the actual capacity conversation and utilization conversation. So there are so many founders, because honestly, at the end of the day, if you started your business, as you start to grow and hire contractors or part-time people or full-time employees, you are then the founder of a company, right? Whether your brain has caught up with that or not, that, that's like actually what's happening. Mm-hmm. So the shift that is a little bit slower to get to is really understanding how does your role change as the 
the solopreneur, the only person doing everything to now you have a couple contractors. Now you have a part-time employee. Now you have a full-time employee. What exactly are you supposed to do? How does your capacity change? How does your utilization change? What is the utilization of every hire that you onboard? And how is that impacting revenue? What is the lever that you need to pull in order to make more money, save more money, pay yourself more money, hire more people, work with more clients? Like we, we each have those as our focus they could change throughout the year. They could change throughout years. Like you could have this, uh, the same focus over many, many months or years. But what do you actually need to change in order to see that result? Mm-hmm. And that it, all of that comes down to capacity, which is impacted by your pricing, which is impacted how you spend your time, how long it takes you just to actually do your client deliverables and what's included in your projects and everything involved. So it's a really nitty gritty conversation that we have with clients when it comes to picking apart. It's not just like, let's figure out what you need to charge for the service. Here's the rate. Now you're off on your merry way. It's understanding how that rate actually impacts the entire trajectory of the rest of your business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will say it, it can just grow in complication the more services you offer. Like mm-hmm. if every client is completely custom, you're going to have a really hard time knowing and understanding when you can make your next hire and, and how these things intertwine. But, and it's not to say, you know, if, if we were always in a growing economy, you having one signature service might be my answer. That's not necessarily true. Like Mm -hmm. I still think people have to be mindful of how buyers are changing and how the psychology of people is changing kind of based on world news and and everything that's going mm-hmm. on in your particular industry but we have to be mindful that the more layers of like different types of things that take different amounts of time that require different talent or skill set just like really make it so much harder to scale long term um and the the businesses that you see like really taking off typically offer a very, very small set of services and they're super clear on who it's for and how they're going to do it and how long it takes. And they're working on optimizing the operations on the back end to make the project more and more efficient. And they could tell you down to, down to the exact number who they need to hire at what amount of clients and like what their capacity changes. But if you look at your like incoming clients and you're like, I have no idea how many I can really handle, like know that you're not alone. The majority of people have no idea, mm-hmm. but learning that information, on a feeling. <laughs> yeah. Knowing that information will be essential for scaling long-term. For sure. Yeah. So, so I think what I'm hearing you guys say is again, it goes back to numbers, like understanding, understanding pricing numbers, understanding capacity numbers, understanding headcount numbers, Mm -hmm. like all of it. It's, you know, I think business is an art and a science, but I think this is very much the science part of it is like, and I know a lot of, yeah. And then, I mean, there's, it's not to say there's not going to be hard stuff on the art side. We call it the art and architecture, the architecture being the structure and everything that holds it together. The art being the culture and the dynamics of your team and the Mm -hmm. like soft, the soft aspects, your mission and vision and values. And, and it's still the glue, like Mm -hmm. it's still essential and it it still presents challenges because you could have 
a major culture problem that's reducing your capacity. Like it's, it's not to say that those things don't affect each other. Like I, I see a lot of people early on in their business who start the hiring game and they get in the blame game of like, assuming that all these people are not supporting them in the way they expected them to, or they're not doing exactly Mm -hmm. what I thought they would do. And usually it comes down to they're trying to treat a contractor like an employee and they have a lot of leadership skills they need to gain and they need to take more responsibility and I could keep going, but like (laughs) there's, Mm -hmm. there's typically so much to learn. Uh, Usually the number stuff while, while straightforward is the easier first step. I would say a lot of the challenges come in you evolving as a human, as you grow. As a leader. Yeah. Yeah. Like as an individual. And I think that it's, it's um, amplified if you don't understand the numbers part first. Uh, Yes. It's just like a a giant sloppy mess at that point. And there's no foundation. Well, and I, I would argue most most small businesses out there are pretty messy on the inside. So they are. I was just, um, we had just conducted a workshop and one of, and we were going through a, a lot of the things that, that you ladies are talking about as well. And one uh, attendee was like, this is just so much. There's so many small businesses out there. It can't be that hard. And it's like, okay, but they're not making money. They're shutting yeah. down. Like yeah. just because there's an LLC that exists doesn't, doesn't mean, mean anything. They're yeah. doing there's it only one to 2% of women owned businesses in the United States make it to a million dollars in revenue. I'm, I love that. You know, that's that. Cause that's one that I keep in my back pocket too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> and we're a, on a mission to change that. So yeah. Yeah. like, that's just same. Uh, uh, I, more people deserve more money, but a part Part of it is acknowledging that it requires you to know more than your skill. Like you yes, will have to yes. learn skills that you didn't have when you started your business. Yes. And the conversation I have with so many people is like, if you literally only ever want to just take photos and edit photos or design websites or write copy or whatever, go get that job as an employee at an agency. I love yep. that for you. That sounds like an incredible journey. If you're, if all of this stuff isn't getting you like excited to figure out, like I am way more pumped about operations and right. sales, oh, yes, than I yes. am about. If design. I never picked up my digital pencil again to write copy, I would be fine with that because mm-hmm. the other part of this puzzle is what's exciting for me. Absolutely, yep. yeah, agreed. I always say like most. Most people start businesses doing the thing that they know how to do so that somebody yeah. pays them to do the thing that they know how to do. Yeah. And then you make a decision. Do you want to continue to be the one that does the thing that you know how to do? Or do you want to grow a team and then manage other people that know yeah. the thing that you at one point knew how to do? Management <laughs> being way more part of my role than I ever anticipated was yeah. probably the biggest like slap in the face. For it's me. a doozy, man. Oh, and then you can get to a whole other level where you start to manage people that you don't know how to do their job. And that is, yes, that that's is where we are just now starting. And I'm yeah. like, Oh, this is uncomfy. <laughs> it's real uncomfy and feels like very risky too. Cause it I, was is like, risky. I can't tell you if that's clean code. I'm not oh, a developer. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, why well. am I putting my name on this? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. We are yeah. there right now. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Um, okay. So one of the things that I, I believe in, I think I've heard you guys kind of say this a little bit in this conversation as well, but I really believe that um, 
owners need to get clear on who they are and what they want before they can build a business that helps them get that thing. So when you guys do your work, what role do you feel the owner's like personal life goal, personal life and or goals play in building their business? Yeah. Well, I, I wrote down my, the first thought that came to my brain when I saw your questions come in and I literally just wrote, it is the only role that matters. Period. Point blank. End of story. Do not go into business. If you're not willing to put like your business on the line for the sake of your goals and your priorities and the things that you want to achieve in life. That is all both personal and community-wise, impact-wise, client-wise, team-wise, like it's all of those different things. But the growth will feel disconnected from your daily work if you do not know what you're moving towards. If you do not know, I'm not saying you have to have this big, like we call it um, Oprah size goals. So like, you know, you want to like change the world. Can I just say thank you for saying Oprah size goals instead of BHAGs? Because no. I hate that so phrase. Gross. So yeah. if it's okay with you, I might adopt your oversized girls Take it. goals because I'm like, goals. stop talking about BHAGs. Exactly. <laughs> you don't have to be someone who like wants to be a billionaire and, you know, own a publishing company and develop magazines and have your own garden and a network and shows like you don't have to have that or want that yeah. level of impact to to still do really great, incredible things within your own network and community and space. Well, and I think so much of this comes down to, okay, if I'm really aware of what I want my personal life to look like, then I can design a business around my life instead of having a business your like, life has to fit into the cracks yeah. of what your business allows. It's just not. It's just not fun to do it the other way around. Plus, I, I'm a big person. I love to think about vision and, and and being in a CEO seat. Vision for the future is an essential part of your role. Yeah. Um, and and I've seen I've seen founders who are like literally hardwired DNA wired to be present focused. And it can present a challenge to be looking this far into the future. But even if your vision changes, even if your goals change, you having a trajectory puts you in alignment. It's like, it's like flying a plane and having a destination in mind. You're just like gradually (laughs) moving towards the destination. You could go this way. If you you need to reroute, you're going to reroute and that's Uh fine. But like you have to be going somewhere. And I see a lot of people that get so caught up and they're like basically keeping a flow. I'm like, hey, that's just not a fun place to run your business from of like feeling like you just got to, what do I owe a client today? Check your email, get frustrated, get distracted for four hours like take care of kids and take care of dinner and then seven o'clock and you're like, like, shit, now I actually need to do work. We've all been there. (laughs) So it's you running your business from that point of view where like you're putting out fires all the time is exhausting. And so you having really clear lifestyle choices that, that really, yeah dictate everything else is so cute. We talk about it more. We actually started, stopped setting goals a few years ago. Um, Goals in us just haven't been in alignment for a really long time, but what we like to kind of talk about them is more like outcomes. So what is how, well, you know, where do you want to be in a year? How do you want to feel 
what do you want your day to look like? What do you want your work life to look like? Um, what do you want injected into your, your personal life, your business life, um, your family life? What are literal goals that you like? Are you doing a kitchen renovation? Are you wanting to travel? Are you wanting mm-hmm. to go down to four days a week? Like, what do you want? What's the outcome ultimately? And then what are the steps that we need to be making today in order to support that outcome? We're not saying that we can immediately go to those things or fund those things or change our schedule. But if we know, like, kind of the direction that we're heading towards, we can say yes and no to certain projects and certain ways of selling and certain offers and certain clients that don't fit the eventual alignment of the outcome that we're after. And I think that's a really good point too, as you talk about saying no to to potential clients that don't fit the ultimate outcome, because it's at least it's been my experience that in this space, when you say yes to a client, it's not typically like a, okay, this will be done in a couple of weeks, in a couple of months, like that client sticks around for a while. So you need to think about like the trajectory of that. I love that. Um, Okay. So I think we all agree align, like defining success for yourself and defining what you want is like core. So before you can really build the business that you want. So my question to you ladies is what are some of the either boundaries that you have in place for yourself to make sure that you're protecting your time or your space Mm -hmm. um, or some of the things that you're prioritizing individually (laughs) that uh, you're having the business um, kind of built around or reflected upon? Yeah. So yeah. We are, one of our values that is both internal and external is that we are life first. And so building a life first business to us means that unapologetically, our life will always be more important and be prioritized over how we run our business. And we are upfront with that with our team. We're upfront with that with our clients. We're upfront with that even with our unpaid audience members. And so some of the things that go into living that way is being really clear on how you will and won't show up. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, on the day-to-day, we really, really, really respect our um, in-office hours and out-of-office hours. So like the moment we're not at work, we're not available, you'll hear from us later. Um, If our team is out of office, we have... We have quite a few office closures. Last year, we shut down the business 27 business days out of the year. Um, And if we're gone, our clients are aware we will be gone. And they're not only super respectful of the fact that we're gone, but in many many cases, they're jealous of how firm we are with those boundaries and they start to model more firm boundaries yeah. in their own business. Um, but I would say the, the part that's really critical here is because this is a priority and, and in our experience, it became a priority because we had shit hit the fan mm-hmm. and we had to basically rebuild our business from the ground up to support mm-hmm. our life. And we would much prefer you to choose (laughs) this intentionally well before it is a necessary requirement and instead have the support in place that if you did need to walk away at a moment's notice that you have a team in place that can support you. And it takes time. I'm not saying it's going to be an overnight thing that you're going to be able to develop a business Mm -hmm. that could support you 
for medical leave or maternity leave or but I, I a family it, member or whatever, but I saw it happen so beautifully with one of our team members the other day, because we, we demand this of our team members as well. It's a loud and proud value. And we will, we will call out and have discussions with team members. If we feel like they're not living in that value, like they, they already told us they have a headache, but yet they're still showing up to all these meetings and, and doing this work, like take the day or whatever. So like, we'll press, we'll push for stuff like that, but it's the coolest when a team member speaks up for themselves before we even have to say anything. Cause Abby and I are really good at it at this point because we've done it for so long. So like, it could be as simple as, you know, she's got a migraine or she's, you know, not feeling up for it. And so I'm going to take an interview when she doesn't want to show up and that's totally fine. And I'm going to, you know, apologize for her not being in that interview, but I'm also not sorry about it. Like this is our boundary and you get me today and here's what's going to happen. Or will we reschedule a client call or whatever? It could be, you know, we, so we both deal with chronic pain and autoimmune disorders. And so if we wake up and there's a flare up, I'm going to call and say, I'm working from bed today. So here's the capacity that I have to give. And that's what we're just going to deal with. We're going to push this brainstorming session to another day. We're going to do this. But a team member the other day popped up into Slack and she was like, oh my gosh, we're having our first like 65 degree day of like the winter, like a random warm winter day tomorrow. And so I'm going to take like a half day and go on a hike with my partner and go like walk around and go be out in nature. And like, if you need me, like, let me know if there's anything urgent, but I'm going to be out. And we were all just like, love that for you. Like, I cannot wait for you to just, it was nothing about like, oh, make sure this gets done first. Oh, do this. Like, She's a responsible person. She understands like what needs to get done and what can also be pushed aside because another value of ours is, um, what is it? Ease, uh, lighthearted, being lighthearted. And so part of that is nothing is an emergency. And so like push that deadline, like do that tomorrow, do that later. Like we're not this like super rapid pace type of work environment. And so seeing her do that and speak up for herself and her own need was really cool. That's awesome. Our Defining Success Workshop series is so much more than just a business workshop. This three-day intensive is a carefully curated exercise in finding clarity in the now, which includes your personal and professional goals. We have four expert speakers that will guide you through what typically takes years to accomplish in just three days time and will save you roughly $100,000 in investment while we're at it. This will be the best ROI you'll ever make. I pinky promise. Sign up for one of our four Defining Success workshops taking place at Hotel Metro in Milwaukee this year. You can register at ricksrixworkshops.com and keep in mind, space is limited. Um, Okay, so for all those listening who are taking notes right now Mm -hmm. on how to scale their service-based business, uh, we've talked about a, a few of these things already. Um, but I always find that it's helpful to know one, that you're not alone in all the stupid things that you've done. <laughs> yes. So, cause I've got my whole list. Um, mm-hmm. so one of my questions for you ladies is what's one of the most embarrassing mistakes you've made when you first started your business? You know what guys? I got <laughs> this you. This is the one that had me LOLing before we hit record. Cause I forgot uh, about this. It's, um, you know, th- is there things that I would have done differently throughout the course of our business? Yes. It, in gr- in general, I try not to have regrets because 
they don't serve you and they're and learning that, lessons we they learn are, from I, everything everything's an experiment and oh, we're trying oh. things and mm-hmm. some things don't work and I don't deem that as a failure I deem that as the answer to a hypothesis that I can go about and retest I like that. um however I have had some <laughs> embarrassing moments and one of which being uh one of one of my not so great days on this planet um so for context we are huge on community and when we started our business we immediately started building a place that was safe for creative entrepreneurs and women-owned businesses to come together and unapologetically be themselves and ask questions and share and this community has been bustling for years it has over thirty thousand entrepreneurs from all over the world in it and on a random day of the week i was in what was one of the most traumatic events of my lifetime and really set the stage for a lot of other things that would go on to happen i was in a five car car accident oh my gosh and i in an attempt to make it lighthearted wanted to let everyone know don't worry guys i'm just fine and so my solution to doing this was after being in a car accident being in shock transported to the hospital i went live on facebook from a hospital bed (laughs) to tell our our people don't worry about me guys i'm gonna be fine and not even 30 seconds into this video, alarms start going off, bells start going off. And I was like, guys, I'm not dying. And then there's like a nurse that comes in and is like, you need to get off the boat. And like, I just hung up the live and people are like, is she dead? Like what happened? Like I had some damage control to do after that. And he was like, uh, no, I got you. I got you. (laughs) Delete. (laughs) It was not one of my best days um i i was not in fact fine um but i <laughs> not fine <laughs> it took many years to fully recover from that day but oh my gosh uh adrenaline will do a lot for you mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah i bet so um so use social wisely hundred percent yeah, monitor yourself you can't go live maybe just you know think about it phone <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a friend I, yeah. yeah, it works. This is after she fine. called me too, and I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> like you seem fine." Oh, now I see her on live. Oh, oh, oh she's oh. in the hospital. Okay, <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. Um. Okay, real quick, because I want one more question before we wrap up. Um. But real quick, uh, what are you ladies working on right now that you want the world to know about? We are working on what what I have been calling the past year, like true sustainability. So being in the service-based business world, especially having a hybrid business model, um, as uh, the economy shifts and the market shifts and the industry shifts, we have been having to constantly evolve into how we're, you know, selling and serving clients. And after doing this for, you know, eight years now, we did have a, a really long discussion last year where we were like, well, like we can't keep doing this in eight more years, like not how we're doing it right now. And so even if things can't change this year or next year, or even the year after that, what are the building blocks that we could be setting in place for a future, like 
company company, like something that we could sell if we wanted to, or that we could fully step out of and, and fund and, and be the founder or the creative director, so to speak, of a, of a company, something that would allow us to invest in other projects that we're very passionate about. What could something like that look like? And so over the past year or so, we've been developing just serving clients in a different capacity in a way that is more recurring, that is more sustainable, that has a very clear, you know, if this, then that, if you reach this client capacity, hire this person, then you can reach this many more people, then hire this person. And we just haven't had that over the years. We've been so involved in client work for many, many years in, in various capacities, but fully shifting to something, which kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. We have someone on our team who we can't do her job, like literally at all. And that's a very big stretch as a leader and as a, Mm -hmm. as a manager. Um, But we're figuring that out and I'm really excited. Um, You guys should hopefully be hearing about it in the coming months. You will hear about it this year for sure. Um, But it's been kind of like our secret science project behind the scenes that we've been like perfecting and building and like making sure it's really refined and it's been really fun. And I, I honestly cannot wait to see what two years brings, what four years brings with this shift. Yeah. Awesome. It's it's the first time we felt like we've been able to look up and look 10, 15 years down the road and have a really clear vision of where we're going before that we didn't know what we wanted and we were still no. trying things and experimented mm-hmm. and yeah. like how we were showing up. And we've done a lot of different things over the years. And, and this is our vision for the future. And we're excited to more officially announce it in the coming months. <laughs> I know it was really okay. quick, but no, I'm excited <laughs> now. Okay. I'm excited. Um, okay. I have one more question for you ladies. My last question is what is your greatest insight or discovery about life and entrepreneurship? Well, mine kind of goes back to what I was kind of talking about earlier, but for, for me, the more that you lean into the way that you naturally show up, not that you're not going to stretch yourself, not that you're not going to learn new ways of being a leader, a boss, a manager, a creative, a small business owner, or whatever, but the more that you can create systems and support that support you leaning into how you're already naturally showing up. So part of this for me is like really understanding my Enneagram type and understanding my human design type and understanding how my energy is actually replenished. And when I'm in, like I'm all, I'm really learning a lot about cycle syncing right now and like really trying to lean into truly on a week by week basis, how can I show up as my best self, even though that week best self is a completely different version than the next week and the week after that. And being okay with that, communicating it with the people around me so that I can be supported to continue to do better and work better and get results faster, but in a way that feels way more intuitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say similarly that it comes down to a level of self-awareness and Emily and I have talked about self-awareness being one of our greatest gifts and one of our greatest curses that it sometimes can present a ton of challenges. Um, makes therapy really hard. Yeah. (laughs) Balancing therapy and work is important guys. Um, (laughs) but I saw this quote today that I think encapsulates a lot of what 
women of our generation face. And I just, I just think I should share it because to me, it, I immediately started crying. So <laughs> just, just bear with me. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is by Courtney Martin. And she said, we are the girls with anxiety disorders, filled appointment books, five-year plans. We take ourselves very, very seriously. We are the peacemakers, the do-gooders, the givers, the savers. We are on time, overly prepared, well-read and witty, intellectually curious, always moving. We pride ourselves on getting as little sleep as possible, thriving on self-deprivation. We drink coffee, a lot of it. We are on birth control, Prozac, multivitamins. We are relentless, judgmental with ourselves and forgiving to others. We want to be as passive-aggressive as our mothers, never want to marry men as uninspired as our fathers. We are the daughters of the feminists who said, you can be anything, and we heard you have to be everything. (laughs) yeah (laughs) so I think for me being taught my entire life that you can be anything has been one of the most powerful tools for me to build a business that I get to decide the path for but that comes with the weight of being told by society that I have to be everything all the time And that's what we're unlearning. That's why the boundaries are important. That's why the life first is important. It's like, and so learning to put things down unapologetically and not pick them back up or find people to support you Uh or, or or hire someone to do it for you. Mm -hmm. Like, I know these things sound like Mm -hmm. nice to haves, but they have been the most essential parts of me being able to operate as a human being. And so um, I'll leave you with this, that you, (laughs) that you don't have to be everything and no one is expecting that of you except yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage you to work on letting go and work on loving your life on a deeper level. And so anyway, I probably need to go have a good cry session now, but <laughs> yeah, you got me like, I got it right in my throat here. Thank uh-huh. you for that one. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Abigail, can you send me that please? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was, that was, yep. yep, yep. Hit you right in the feels. <laughs> yep, I got it all over the place here. Um, well, on that uplifting note, <laughs> um, thank you ladies so much for your vulnerability, for your honesty, for your wisdom on uh, on today's episode. And for anyone listening, if you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, please go ahead and leave a review wherever you are finding us. And Abigail and Emily, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com.